I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday post-game edition after BYU falls to the Pirates of East Carolina last night. We've been taking your texts all uh, afternoon long, and we'll do so for about another hour. And then in hour number two, we have to turn the page at some point and have a little optimism in our lives, and we'll do so with BYU basketball, which uh, they have an exhibition this week, Mitch. And then they start things off at home uh, on November 7th against Idaho State. And I, I will admit, this team is a little bit more interesting than I gave them credit for in the summer. I, I think uh, they're going to be fun. I don't know if that's going to result in a tournament bid, but I think they are going to be fun. I think the style of play is going to be a little different. So we're going to do BYU basketball in hour number three. So if you want to get, if you want to vent, you want to get some some thoughts out there you have some questions for us this hour is the time to do it five seven five zero zero let's keep going to those texts uh here's a here's a good one i I thought this was an interesting text mitch and i want to get your thoughts on it this is in relation to jaron hall jaron hall doesn't look at the tight end says uh texter 7351 isaac rex has proven himself time and time again Isaac Rex should go to Utah there, the tight end factory. What do you think about Jaron Hall not looking at the tight ends? You know, BYU's wide receivers are really good this year. One thing. that's That should be noted. I think the wide receiver room has been special. Uh, oh, that- Buckeyes with a big turnover. <laughs> Sorry. Eight minutes to go. Big game between Ohio State and Penn State. Buckeyes just forced a turnover. Keep going. Dang Sorry it. to interrupt Dang, you. that's a bummer. 
I wanted to see three Penn State. I want havoc. I want some chaos in college football. I do too. Uh, But you know, I think I think that Jaron, you know, some of his uh, decisions. I think he's leaned towards you know going to the wide receivers, uh, going to Puka, and I'm okay with that. Uh, You know, going to Chase Roberts. Chase Roberts seems like a guy that's been one of uh, Jaron's favorite guys. Same with Cody Epps. I just think the wide receivers have been really good. That uh, they they've been kind of the focal point, and you know Isaac Rex has said that it's okay being a blocking tight end. You know, not many NFL tight ends are these Travis prolific Kelsey. receiving targets. Uh, but I just feel like you know it's part of the BYU DNA is the the tight end spot. Like you, when you look at BYU history, it's QBU and or not QBU, but like it's it's a place known for its QBs, and then to me after that it's tight ends. And and then after that O line, uh, so that that tight end spot should always be uh, outstanding. And you know after Isaac Rex, I kind of look at the pipeline of of tight ends, and I get a little bit worried. Like if 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 Isaac Rex moved on after this year and went on to the NFL, uh, that's a thin room, and you don't have many answers at that spot. So. Uh, you know, it, it's it's limited options right now at tight end, and I think Jaron's got uh, some just great, a lot more options at the wide receiver position. That's kind of a simple way of saying well, it, but I, I think that he's got to have a more willingness to go over the middle too, uh, and and make those uh, make those uh, tough throws over the middle sometimes. I will say though, if you are angry about that aspect of Jaron's game, I don't know if Jaron Hall is the person to put the the anger towards because Aaron no. Roderick is coaching it a specific way. He has said multiple times this year. We take care of the football. That's our winning recipe. We won a lot of games doing it, and we don't want to put the ball in harm's way. And a lot of times, throwing over the middle to our Rex is a risky throw. It it could get undercut and intercepted. So I do think there's a bit of coaching there where the emphasis is to check down. And and I'm not going to criticize that. I've wanted that for a long time because I I thought Zach Wilson wasn't very good at that, at just, hey, checking down and look Zach was a lot more risk averse and it led to more big plays but it also led to more turnovers and Jaron Hall has been less risk averse and that's why he doesn't turn the football over so there's a give and take if you want to be a gunslinger and you want to be taking those chances it's going to come with turnovers and the current offensive coordinator has said that's not the football we want to play and so there is that to consider I think my one not and again, this is kind of an assumption based off of just what we're seeing and some of the trends with this year. The one knock I might have on Jaron would be I would love it if he just because in the preseason, Aaron Roderick said Jaron Hall's got a lot of autonomy of this offense, more than any quarterback he's coached since being at BYU. I would love it if sometimes Jaron just got the play call and said, Nope. Yep. I'm calling my own play. Kind of like what Max Hall did in, in those years in 08 and 09, uh, where he basically said, you know what, I don't like that. But I think Jaron, it's it's kind of a sign of respect. Like, I think Jaron's just a respectful individual. He's not going to run in the offense. Yeah, I mean, and he's going to respect his coach, yep. you know, Aaron Roderick. And sometimes I wish he would just say, you know what, I don't like that play. I'm calling something else. And again, that's an assumption because I don't, I don't know the, the, the dynamics of what that flow of communication is. Uh, but it just feels like some of the trends – of what we've seen in like Notre Dame game, this game against East Carolina, Arkansas. Some of these play calls have been kind of head-scratching in this losing streak, and I just wish sometimes Jaron would say, nope, I'm running something different. I'm, yeah. I'm running a different play call. We're going with something else. And I don't know if that's just him 
he doesn't want to be disrespectful to his coach. I don't know. I, yeah. I, 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 I think that might be my, my, my one knock on maybe Jerry. It's hard to say because we've never been told I give two plays and he gets to choose. Right, exactly. Um, but I, also, the, I that, wish it was that way, That though. spot against Arkansas where there's it's a fourth down and there's no play call at all. They're just drawing someone off the line. Like, Jaron has to go, guys, we're, here's the play. Yeah. Like, just you say in that moment, I we have this call that, if, if though, needed. That particular situation was a coaching fail because 100%. Kalani exposed the situation and Joe Tukwafu wasn't experienced in those situations yep. and he made a mistake. And you can argue whether or not he should have been in the game at that point over Connor Pace. So that kind of in a roundabout way comes back to coaching. All right, let's get to some more text here. I think we do need to address this. Texture 4153. Did you guys hear what happened to Peyton Wilgar and his wife? Yes, we did hear what happened to Peyton Wilgar and his wife. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we will summarize. And this is coming from the point of view of Peyton Wilgar's wife. Let's uh, remember that as we discuss this situation. She posted on Instagram that a captain of the team, which Peyton Wilgar is, could not get a parking pass. He is injured. She revealed the injury as well. It's a high ankle sprain. That's that's out there in the universe. That's why Peyton Wilgar has not played the past few games. Uh, he couldn't get a parking pass. He had to walk a mile. This is, again, from the perspective of Peyton Wilgar's wife. Uh, she was very unhappy and says that she can't wait to get out of Provo. Uh, thoughts on that situation, Mitch? Lots to unpack there. Yeah. Um, is it bad? My first thought was that TikTok sound, walk a mile in these Louboutins. Oh, yes, it is bad. <laughs> walk a mile. You're an yeah. addict. I just railed on my wife last night for TikTok. We can't live hey, our lives on TikTok. I'm just trying to have some fun. I'm just trying to lighten up the mood a little bit. No, I, I don't know. Like Part of that's a little bit entitled. Part of that also is... Is it a you know an organization issue of the whole program as a whole where they're not taking care of their own? Why isn't you know? I, and something that should be said too when it comes to the team bus, because uh, some people were asking on social media why wasn't he on the bus? Typically, when guys aren't are, are injured, like when Puka was hurt, he wasn't on the team bus. He wasn't going through the Cougar Walk. He'd kind of go on his own. Entrance. I wouldn't want to go either. I'd rather sleep well, in my own bed than go, <laughs> right. to, go to the hotel. <laughs> right. I, I I totally get. It. So it's just kind of like a logistics thing of nailing down everything, making sure everything's buttoned up, everything's tight. Uh, comes off a little bit entitled, uh, you know. But that's her vantage point. Like these are young people. Like I, I get it. But it's 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 just. It, it maybe it's a a thing where things can just be a little bit more buttoned up, but I, I mean I don't know yeah. the context of it. I don't know who's specifically in charge of that yeah. sort of thing. I don't know. I, that it I, just seems my only criticism would be: would it be that hard to give injured players a wristband that they can take to the west parking lot? It's not full. We parked there, Matt. It's you know not what? full. I'm not gonna lie though. Is this an issue if they're winning? Like no, if, if, of you're walking a mile, it's, it's, if you're walking a mile in these Louboutins, or I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but if you're walking a mile. It's absolutely in, in – well, it's, it's – I'll walk four miles if there's seven and, if there's seven and uh, two right now. It's not an issue if you're winning because winning cures all, but it also, I think, is an indictment of there are some loose ends in the program that need to get buttoned sure. up. I agree. And this is one of them. Yeah, you're a power five outlet now, and and the the bar is should be, be a story. Whether you're winning or not, your yeah. players should be taken care of. Yeah, and and I you know it's it was interesting earlier in the year. You know, Kalani noted about travel logistics and how those have been tightened up a bit because there were games last year against Baylor where they were 
like an hour away from Waco or like 45 minutes away. I can't remember the exact t- distance, but and they didn't get to, to Waco, McLean Stadium, until about 90 minutes before kickoff. And then you add the fact that it's a day game. It just little things like that cannot happen. When you are in a Power 5 league, it's inexcusable. The whole operation has to be tight. It has to be top shelf. And and BYU's got the ability to do that. And, yeah, I I hope that everything gets worked out. And I'm sure it's just kind of one of those things where you would ideally like, uh, you know, for it to be handled in-house. You know, honestly. 100%. You know, but at the same time, is it it also gives a lens into do players just, are they fed up? Because, like, we're married men. We vent sometimes to our wives about all the things time. all the time, <laughs> and I'm sure Peyton's probably had some venting sessions, and it gives a little bit of a lens for sure into maybe the the feelings right now about how things have been going. Yeah, it's uh, it was certainly interesting. It, it's uh, it's probably being overblown, yeah. but it, it it's it's not something big, but it's not nothing yeah, either. It, it's something sure. in between. It it all matters. I mean, everything in a in a program. It all matters, yep. and it all falls up ultimately to the head coach Kalani yep. Satake, and he's even said that as much. And and you know that's why again, you know everything uh, from this program has to be reevaluated going into the Big Twelve. Like when I when we spoke in the media to Tom Holmo back in January, Tom when asked about you know a lot about the Big Twelve, Tom typically talks to the media about once a year in January, and he was you know. He's obviously excited about the Big 12 move, but he understands this is not some... It's not fun and games. It's not just stepping in and like, yeah, we're in. Like, we've arrived. It's, it's like it, moving to a bigger house. It, it sounds great, <laughs> and then you get there, yikes. It's more cleaning. Yes. There's more, you know... Utility we to, bills we higher. To, we've got to furnish it. There's rooms that don't have what they need. Utility... Yeah, exactly. The lawn is a lot bigger. The maintenance on that thing is big. Like, yeah. There's so much that goes into this, and... Uh, there's a big so that's why the logistics of a program, the day in day out operations, it's all got to be tightened up, and you know that's that's going to be the challenge. It goes beyond just sometimes even the because even those those off the field logistics things can then carry over into sometimes the performance yep. of the team if it's not all buttoned up. We got to take a break. On the other side, uh, we'll continue to read your texts and, and talk BYU football. We'll also have the top five coming up as well. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.